here. This is Andy. And this is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast on which we rewatch very special episodes of television or whatever we feel like during this pandemic to see what it has to teach us today. Today, whatever we feel like watching during this pandemic is a staple here on, on uh, uh, Hugging and Learning. It's the Golden Girls. Yay! The episode is To Catch a Neighbor, Season 2, Episode 24. The original air date was May 2nd, 1987, and it was written by Russell Marcus. And you can watch the entire series of The Golden Girls, thank God, on Hulu. Take take advantage of that in these troubling times, TM. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which brings us right into uh, Euro What? A special edition. Ooh. Which They're all is special just... editions, Andy. They're all special. Thank you. Thank you, Miles. Uh, special editions I'm I'm figuring out are just different um, YWW initials, <laughs> right? So it's you wrote what special edition? You were who? Oh, uh, interesting. Thank you very much. It's it's fine. It's, <laughs> you you can tell these these special editions come around when uh, the writer didn't do too much that's noteworthy. Uh, but you you were who? Uh, is for our very special guest star in this episode today, uh, young George Clooney. Very young. George Clooney, who's that? <laughs> sure, we all know he starred as Major Biff Woods in the TV movie <laughs> Combat High, and of course his unforgettable <laughs> debut as Young Man Carrying Barrel in TV series Centennial. But he also starred in Hugging and Learning's favorite TV series, Throb. Do you remember? Do you remember no. Throb? And we've talked about it three times now. And no, I think, uh, that, I think please tell me this is about out. like a heart throb or something. Nope, it's a genial sitcom about a young recording company executive and his attempts to discover new talent while scouting his own talent. Fucking uh, George Clooney uh, starred. <laughs> okay, well, hold on. We'll bring it back around. George Clooney starred as Rolo Maldonado. In the episode, My Fair Punker Lady. My Fair Punker Lady? We have so, to watch the shit out of that. guess we're going to have to watch Throb. Yeah, I guess. The worst, the worst sitcom I've never seen. It's so a terrible name, but edition? they've got me with that. It's a terrible sitcom name, but they've got me with the episode name. That episode name is the only thing that I think appeals to us. I get the feeling it's going to be a real sticky episode of television that, that makes us feel bad at the end of it. So that, that was You Were What Special Edition. You Were Who? Uh, um, yeah. So and now we know who this George Clooney person is. Yeah. Thank you, for, thank you for pointing that out. Okay. So this is another snack brand that we shouted out on Juneteenth. Um, I'm very excited to try these. Got these in the mail the other day. A little bit about the company. So Sweet Dames is uh, owned by Janelle Drayton, who had a 10-year career in sports marketing and entertainment and then decided to take a chance and build a company that specializes in, quote, an inspired dessert indulgence. And her advice is, don't be afraid to take the leap because there's never going to be an ideal time. So everything is not going to be in place, and that's okay. And I found that to be comforting words during these troubled times, TM. TM. Um, it's also a good snacking uh, mantra, hey, mm-hmm. eat it now. You'll never know when the right time know. to there eat this entire time. bag of whatever. Exactly. <laughs> so we have uh, coconut macaroons, we have chocolate dip, and we have salted caramel. And these are wheat oh. and dairy free. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I'm still I'm still dancing with Sweet Lady Sugar, so I'm also going to participate <laughs> in these today. Excellent. I think these are mm. mostly, the ingredient list 
does not say that there is added sugar. It says coconut milk, cacao, coconut, and then sea salt and chocolate chips for the chocolate I mean, if you ones. want, I can eat these and we can find out in 20 minutes if I can't. <laughs> yeah. I literally cannot <laughs> stop talking. Uh, all right. Let's try them out. Rock. How you doing, honey, baby? You know I don't ask for much, Get a knock on my door You know it's yours for sure We can't wait for the bedroom So we just hit the floor Sing it, girl it's This is good. Uh, yeah. So the ones that weren't chocolate dipped were the salty caramel, caramel. Salty caramel yeah. which I thought were good because they tasted like macaroons. And then I got one that was heavily caramel salted and it mm-hmm. was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So these are just um, for listeners who are not seeing them. These are macaroons, not macarons. And I know there's some confusion. These are the little coconut stacks. Um, yeah. And we, some of them are covered in caramel and some of them are covered in chocolate. They're delicious, and they're yeah. kind of small. They're like normally, I feel like they're about double the size these are, and it's mm-hmm. a lot. This is like a perfect bite um, yeah. of dessert. These are awesome. Do I recommend check out sure. Sweet Dames Artisan Confections online. Yeah, we'll a put shot. a link in the show notes. Look, it, it, snack fatigue is at a high level these days. People, you're gonna get you know tired of your regular snacks. So when you branch out, why not try these? Yeah, we're trying to treat ourselves a little better than uh, we have been in the past. I mean, it doesn't not... necessarily mean uh, the bar is much higher because we've eaten some real crap on this podcast. That's not part but... of my equation at all. I was just <laughs> like, hey, if you get sick of eating the same Oreos that you've eaten, <laughs> why not try something else? <laughs> and, oh, if it happens to be healthy, congratulations. What a bonus. Yeah, if it happens to be small batch artisan food as opposed to mass produced Food uh, from the grocery sure. store, which, you know, yeah. nothing wrong with anything that you want to eat, but sometimes it's fun to branch out. All right. Unless... So let's talk about the Golden Girls, my favorite thing to talk about. It's, uh, and this is a good one. Um, yeah. This, this is our episode third is Golden fantastic. Girl. Yes. So we've talked about the, the Golden Girls uh, before. We had Memorize a Horse. Uh, we had. All bets off. Uh, yeah. That's Memorize a Horse. And then we had then um, the, Isn't It Romantic? The yes, lesbian the, Rose. Rose has a lesbian crush. Uh, well, lesbian is a crush on Rose, rather. Um, yes. So this is our third episode of Golden Girls. We haven't done one since season two, which is really a travesty. Oh. It's great to be back in in Miami with our favorite it ladies. Um, Golden Girls. The only the only decent way to be in Florida right now is right. via TV show from thirty years ago. Yeah. Otherwise, um, stay where you are. Stay home. Yeah. Um, the show ran for seven seasons, 177 episodes from 1985 to 1992. And the premise, in case you were raised under a rock, is that four previously married women live together in Florida and see each other through ups and downs. They eat cheesecake and are funny. Um, Dorothy is the smart arch one, played by uh, B. Arthur. Her mother, Sophia, is the mean one, played by Estelle Getty. Rose is the gullible one, played by National Treasure Betty White, and Blanche is the thirsty one, or the Blanche archetype, the Blanche archetype, uh, played by Rue McClanahan. So um, the show is very funny, and there's a lot of camaraderie and a lot of hijinks. 
uh, wacky neighbors, competition between the women over small things like being volunteer of the year. But then it also deals with heavy subjects, everything from mortality to AIDS to assisted suicide, homosexuality, artificial insemination. They really covered the gambit. And um, these episodes really hold up. This is what we found rewatching them is that even though these things are, you know, sometimes 30 years old, they feel they feel very prescient that, you know, there sure. isn't a lot of cringing going on as we've seen with other episodes that we've rewatched. And they really spread out those uh, special special er episodes and they folded them in well with just the normal run of the sitcom. It wasn't like they they break to a halt to right. explore things. They're still yeah. funny. They're still mm-hmm. everybody's behaving as themselves. Yeah, this um, episode has it's not technically a super heavy one, but it is a bit of a break from the normal format. And there's still Chelsea, like some of us take international jewel thievery pretty <laughs> seriously. We do need to teach the kids about jewel thievery for yes. when they encounter it on the streets. Um, the title of this episode is based on the 1952 novel, 1955 Hitchcock film To Catch a Thief. Um, to Catch a Predator didn't air until 2004. Boy, but that isn't was, it the first thing you think <laughs> it's of It's the first now. thing I thought of. And I was like, To Catch a Predator wasn't before oh, this. That's not right. And to what catch a, a weird reference. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Um. But unfortunately, it's forever. You're just looking at these neighbor characters and being like, uh-oh. <laughs> exactly. Uh-oh. It's a lot darker than To Catch a Thief, which is about jewel thieves, To Catch I a Predator. I haven't read all of American Laws. Is there like an opposite of statutory where it's like, you're too old? <laughs> And Sophia's gonna be be octogenarian thanged. Nope. Raped? Nope. We're we're leaving. No, no, we're not saying that. I was gonna say uh, uh, talked online, but listen to me go. Catfished. Listen to this. Listen to me talk about a thing. (laughs) Goodbye, words. All right. So yes, uh, that that was that was stunning, but I figured it was probably based on something else. I'm glad to know that that's very true. Yes. Um, and really bearing the lead here, Chelsea. Uh, just yesterday, Chelsea and I took a very special trip <laughs> all the way to Miami, Brentwood, <laughs> California, uh, where we saw the exterior of the Golden Girls house. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the Golden Girls house, uh, this may not be big news to you, but it's all over everything in L.A. The Golden Girls house is up for sale. The exterior, um, they filmed it on a soundstage, but the exterior shots that you see that are quite memorable because they pop up a lot, that house is for sale. Um, it's in Brentwood. It's about a four-minute drive from the exterior of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air house. <laughs> and, really? Um, yeah, Andy and I took a, took a drive out to see it. And yep. in case you're a big real estate nerd like I am, you might want to know, it is a 2,900-square-foot, four-bedroom, four-bathroom house listed at right at $3 million. And it's actually gorgeous. The interior looks nothing like um, the interior that, of the studio that they filmed in. It's uh, It was built in 1955 by a Hawaiian modern architect, and it's like a Hawaiian-Japanese mid-century modern dream mashup it's i mean it's stunningly gorgeous of course i'll put a link to it because you need to see this house but for real um andy and i went over there and there was a real estate agent showing it and then we had to pretend to be very serious yeah buyers. tech millionaires or something like that in our flip-flops like yeah. oh i'm too important to get all dressed up for a thing yeah i uh, can't bother <laughs> can't be bothered might buy a three million dollar house today might not maybe yeah but um 
it was very exciting. And now... is the Hey Dude Ranch available? Because I might want that instead. Yes, uh, this 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 sale was first brought to my attention by a friend of the podcast, Jonathan House, who <laughs> keeps me up to date on all things architecture related. And since then, several other people have brought it to our attention. Sure. So yes, we will be starting a GoFundMe for um, our podcast fans if they want to help us buy this house just to record in. Yeah, I mean, and with our buying power combined, Chelsea, we just need... A little less than three million dollars to get this yeah. thing going. Yeah, exactly. So, like three million minus five hundred dollars is what we need. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Do you have five hundred dollars? All right. So, yes, uh, it was a joyous. Uh, it was nice to be outside of a house. <laughs> it was, uh, especially a Golden Girls house. It was outside. People remember that. Um, so we yeah. drove through a little kid's birthday parade accidentally to we get carefully, to the, <laughs> very carefully. carefully drove through <laughs> the other the other cars were decorated with balloons and there was a real popping hazard and it, it was, was. I, at first i thought all those people were lined up to see the golden girls house and then it turned yeah. out to be a birthday parade we had stumbled into yeah not not a huge line for the <laughs> golden girls house <laughs> no surprisingly because i was like as soon as they put yeah. that address online i was like i gotta go yeah. um so it was nice it was also like it, it, the one of the first times that we've seen each other in person since all of this yeah. began so it was for nice to real. hang out we've been recording this uh, separately so let's talk about Golden Girls. Um, the Ordinary World, uh, it, as I said, it's these four women. They live together in Florida. They're all at, at, at least in their late 60s, I'd think. And sure. of course, we start with the awesomely iconic theme song that everyone remembers so fondly. Sure. And the next thing is it's nighttime. The opening scene, <laughs> it's nighttime. We're hanging out with the gals and their new friends, their new next door neighbors, the McDowells. Yes. And they've just moved in, and they've come over for dinner, and everyone's having a great time, and then it's late, and Sophia kind of gives them the brum, bums rush out of the house. Lord, doesn't she? She's like, well, time for you to go home. Um, don't let the door hit you, basically. Yeah, basically. And uh, Dor uh, Dorothy says she's being rude, but Sophia's like, they were here forever. Um and she kind of doesn't like them, but the other three women really do. Yeah, it's not any sort of like, you know, uh, sixth sense on her part. I think Sophia just doesn't care for people no, who stay true. a little bit longer than they're supposed to. So Yeah, I think you're right. She just doesn't like new people. She doesn't later ever say, I had a bad feeling about them or anything like yeah. that. She um, just doesn't like people, I think. So, thing. yeah, totally. And, and I think that... Uh, she gets away with saying really rude things because she's super old, and everybody's like, well, what are you going to do? She's just yeah. that way. Um, Basically. Rose tells a quick story about welcoming people to St. Olaf. It's been about a half a second since the, the McDowell's left, and the doorbell rings again. This is one of the first of many police blunders I'll be pointing out, <laughs> which is having to say excuse me to your prime suspects as you brush by them on the way to somebody's house. Yeah, so like yes. there are two doors, like maybe use the other, yeah, the other one. Or give it a second. Um, so yeah, the, there's a ring on the doorbell, Sophia answers it, and it's the cops. Yes, this is our call to adventure. It's Detective Al Mullins, Miami PD, and his sidekick, young Bobby Hopkins, played by 26-year-old George Clooney. 26, Jesus. In one of his first TV roles, but not his first, as you pointed out. Um, he was <laughs> young 26. Young Barrel. Yeah. Well, this was actually after Facts of Life. 
Um, yes. And this was after E slash R, but before ER, which is the thing that we've talked about before. <laughs> yes, it is. What a weird <laughs> thing to have to denote. Here's, here's something fun I found out today because I was, uh, when we were watching or when we were, when I was going over this episode, I realized that uh, this was around George Clooney's tenure on, oh, I'm sorry, that the episode of Facts of Life we did just recently was around uh, George Clooney's tenure, but mm-hmm. he wasn't in it. Right. Turns out George Clooney got fired from Facts of Life. For, for being too a handsome? Second. No, even better somehow. Uh, <laughs> he got fired, um, and there are stories of this, of George Clooney doing this throughout his early career for complaining about um, working conditions for uh, the crew, cast and crew. Oh, wow. So they fired him, and then he said, okay, but I do have a contract. And they were like, fine, you're not fired. And he came back. Wow. Yeah. So George Clooney, already a a major player. He's a humanitarian and an activist. He really is, like apparently from his earliest days. Yeah, so this Anybody was Anybody try the... to get Actorvist started? Actorvist. Why have we not done that? That's oh, no. great. That's I think really actors good. are secretly wishing that somebody else would make it up because they mm-hmm. don't want to be the one they to make it up. They don't want to be the ones. Like, We've got on. Slacktivist. Why don't we have Actorvist? That's Sean a good Penn one. is just like biting his nails to the quick. Like, <laughs> Come hoping. on. Call me an Actorvist. Come on, somebody make this portmanteau. Um, <laughs> other famous actors that appeared, not as themselves. A lot of famous actors did cameos, like Bob Hope and Debbie Reynolds did cameos. But actors who appeared early in their careers playing, who would later went on to be famous, include Mario Lopez, Quentin Tarantino, who played Nelvis yes. impersonator, Very Jerry sure. Orbach, and our best buddy Misach Taylor from Designing Women, who played hey. a cop in the very first episode of Golden Girls. So now okay. we've seen Misach Taylor pop up as an FBI agent on mm. ALF. Yep. And uh, a cop in Golden Girls. So he yes. before he became... Before he settled into his Texas Ranger role <laughs> in Designing Women. Right. What's that? No? Okay. He became their armed security guard. No. Um, <laughs> yep. So he's... Clooney's here and he's distractingly handsome, but he doesn't have a ton to do until the very end of this episode. No. So uh, this is our call to adventure. The, the Miami PD is here and Blanche immediately hits on Detective Mullins, Lord. who's a, about their age. He's an older gentleman. She says, I'm Blanche Devereaux. These are my roommates, Dorothy and Rose. They're innocent. I'm not. It's yeah. Blanche, pr- full court fucking press. <laughs> true she i is... feel bad for anybody who comes to this house it is like a hansel and gretel situation <laughs> where she's like what? where she is desperately trying to get people inside her oven there we go that'll be cut out for this episode <laughs> um detective mullen says he's sorry to take up their time at this hour but he, mm. uh, they need to know that the new neighbors that they've just been entertaining are in fact dealers in stolen gyms and blanche is shocked she's like those sweet people and Mullen says that uh, they have the cops have intelligence that the McDowells are going to make a major move within the next 72 hours. So they'd like to set up a stakeout in the Golden Home. And Blanche is like a kidney candy store. She says, you can both stay in my room. This is basically the prequel to Ocean's Eleven. This is Devereaux's Four. <laughs> <laughs> and the heist is pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. It's really, there are masks worn, sure, but, mm-hmm. you know, and duffel bags carried around, but right. identity's not, not concealed. Think. No. No. Um, so that's the call to adventure. And then we have a pretty lengthy refusal of the call, uh, which we don't usually it get. Is. It's a little scene lit. No. And it's an interesting, 
I, I guess I understand why we're doing this part, but it is very like abrupt. Hey, stop the episode. Let's talk this through. They yeah, go into yeah. the other room. Sidebar. And yeah. And Blanche wants uh, any kind of hot action in her house. So she's <laughs> in. Rose says that her dad was a, a volunteer policeman when he wasn't being a farmer. Uh, so she is also on board. Sophia and Dorothy, Sicilians, don't want nothing to do with them cops. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just stating two facts. They are Sicilians, and they don't want anything to do with cops. I don't know if those are related. Uh, yeah, but Dorothy is basically like, they can't just move in here. Let them do their work from a van, like real police on TV, which I thought was a pretty funny line. I thought that Dorothy was going to bring up the only instance in television of the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution, where you can't quarter <laughs> troops. It really felt like she was going on quite a diatribe here. She's like, right. you can't just force their way in here. The Fourth Amendment guarantees. <laughs> the cops have told them, though, that they don't have to say yes. Yeah, they they were like, we'd like to set up our base of operations here, but you absolutely don't have to say yes. And Dorothy says, it might be dangerous. And Rose is like, well, if it were dangerous, the cops wouldn't involve us. That's not true. And then Rose says, well, if anything happens, we have the police right here in our home. Not it, not reassuring. Not no, none. No. neither of these are good reassuring points. Mm-hmm. But Blanche uh, basically takes this matter as settled and practically skips back into the living room to inform Truly. their new roommates uh, that they will be allowed to move in. And so Mullen's like, great, we'll be back in the morning and set up camp. And all we need is a bedroom, a bathroom, and, and we'll use the kitchen as our base. And you won't have to change your lifestyle at all. And I wrote, yeah, right. Not if comedy has anything to say about this. <laughs> this is the crash course for normalcy. Right. This is the Crash call course. to adventure. Yeah. We're going to have an adventure now. So the refusal of the call is is the back and forth. And then we're, we come to accept the call and uh, launch ourselves into the special world, which is Golden Girls, the wire edition. Truly. And the most special part of this special world is the fucking equipment that they've set up in this <laughs> kitchen, which is 90% lights, 2% wires. <laughs> And anytime eight, anyone is 8%. sitting there, mostly mostly Dorothy, but even Sophia, just fiddles with knobs. Yeah, like, what and the it fuck does with this? It doesn't make a there's difference. A, there's a moment where Dorothy is just like sort of wiping some grime off of it. And I'm like, people, leave this alone. This is <laughs> right. your business. It's doing something, right? It's, there are she sort of so absentmindedly like fiddles with knobs on it. It's like, yeah. is that not affecting what he's hearing? Like, what? It's 1987. I'm surprised this isn't taking up more of the kitchen, honestly. (laughs) But yeah, it's the it's the phoniest of baloney surveillance equipment, though. It is just knobs and lights, big black boxes. Yeah, so they have they have wiretapped the next door neighbor's phones, and then they are going to sit there for 72 hours, I guess, and take turns listening to this enormous black box to try to get information on like when the exchange is going to happen or the heist is going to go down or whatever. Um, There's a bit of comedy here where Sophia reveals that she has been entertaining herself by talking shit to Detective Mullins while he listens to the wiretap because he has these huge headphones on and. She's like, he can't hear what I'm saying, and she's calling him names, and she's telling me he's an idiot, directly to his face, and he's just kind of mm-hmm. smiling and nodding behind the headphones, and she's cracking herself up, thinks that's hilarious. Um, and Blanche comes in, and he's like, she's like, Blanche, you should try insulting this this cop with me. <laughs> right. And it, it's at this moment, um, which should have been commented on, where um, Sophia... Sophia and Blanche talk about the fact that Dorothy is uh, Dorothy and this guy have some wild, angry sexual tension. Yeah, she, Sophia's like, they have, uh, 
you shouldn't talk that way to him. He's practically your daughter's boyfriend. And Sophia yeah. goes, oh, they hate each other. We're talking about. And Blanche says, yeah, they have these very passionate fights. And from the sparks of that conflict rise the flames of desire. Flames that ignite in an uncontrollable frenzy of lust, passion, and ecstasy. And she gets so worked up, she has to like spray herself with the plant mister that yeah. she's carrying. And it's it's a pretty cute moment of physical comedy. It is. But it also makes clear, which has not been clear up to this point, that we're probably on Dorothy's journey. Yeah. It hasn't really been clear to us who, who we're tracking this episode, but now we figure out, okay, so Dorothy didn't want them to move in, and they've moved in. Dorothy seems to hate this guy, but maybe she really likes him. Okay, so it seems like we're we're doing something with Dorothy in this episode. Right. It has a legitimate gripe about the police being in the house, which is it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. She's right. Um, right around here, Dorothy comes in, and the sexy arguing begins. Uh, she accuses him of leaving the toilet seat up. Sophia says that was her just trying something out, which is very funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's um, funny because she says, "Hey, Dick Tracy, I thought you told her I told you to move this stuff somewhere. It won't be in the way." And he's like, "I tried." And it's a <laughs> and uh, and she's like, "Put the toilet seat down." It's classic man woman comedy jokes. Yuck, yuck, is. yuck. The audience loves flirting. it. Yeah, and it's kind of sweet. They're flirting like two majestic oaks. <laughs> yeah, they're they're both very tall and statuesque uh, older yes. people. And uh, it is funny. Sophia's like, yeah, that was me. I was experimenting with something. Didn't work out. Ari, the toilet. Pretty cute. And after a minute, it's also revealed that Detective Mullins can, in fact, hear through the headphones. He just lets Sophia call him names because she gets such a big kick out of it, which is pretty right. adorable. Um, this actor uh, is distractingly good. He is distractingly good. Also, the first time I think that in our modern age, someone's had like straight up wavy hair. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wavy hair. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. He's, I get it. He's really good. He really holds his own as a scene partner with B. Arthur. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to see his Detective Mullen spinoff where he sets up camp in unlikely uh-huh. places and homes and interacts with all kinds of people and solves white collar crimes and learns more about humanity in the process. Real, yeah, real bougie crimes, though. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Jewel fence. Yeah, and, exactly. I'm sorry, elderly jewel thief fence. Con it's artist. The, it's really, yeah, it is. Yeah. We, we steal exclusively paintings. Exactly. Uh, that exactly. sort of thing. Yep. Um, um, and then yeah. Dorothy says about her mother, she's really a very sweet lady. She just doesn't like to show it. And Detective Mullen says, is that a family trait? Yeah. So uh, uh, Clooney comes in and he gives Mullins a break. And Mullins wants to go out on the lanai. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. This is, I I'm it up. sorry. I I should have made this point when we were talking about the house. The lanai mm-hmm. of, of the Golden Girls house that's for sale is extraordinary. It yeah. is like the house is gorgeous and the lanai is a big f- feature of it. And it is a lanai because it was a Hawaiian architect. And all of the MLS listings and things call it a veranda. And that should be a fucking crime because if anything has a lanai, this house has a lanai. And it makes me angry. So I'm really glad that I was able to air that grievance here. Uh, Speaking on air. of bougie crimes, <laughs> <laughs> that should be they should be arrested. Verandagate 2020. I want names on my sure. desk. You I'm might Detective get... Mullins. I've got a wiretap at yeah, the real I feel estate like office. If you search for that on Google, it's just going to take you to Home Depot for <laughs> gates <laughs> out to your lanai. Yeah. 
So yeah. this is my favorite part of the episode. Um, the so uh, Dorothy and Mullins are arguing and snipping and snapping, and he's like, "Come out on the lanai with me, so it looks natural." And she's like, "Go to hell!" And he leaves, and she rushes back in and says, "Oh God, I'm crazy nuts about this guy." And then yeah, runs back out. the audience goes nuts. It is it's such a and terrific. and B Arthur her delivery is fantastic. They are going back and forth, and man, man, man. As soon as he leaves the room, she sort of gets weak in the knees and like grabs Rose's <laughs> hand and is like, oh, "I'm nuts about this guy." It's really cute. Um, it also, in the middle of all of this, Rose has come back from the grocery store to tell us that she saw <sighs> the McDowells there and just followed them around the store and wrote down everything sure. they bought. And I feel like that might be just a Rose thing anyway. Like, yeah. that might <laughs> And she's like, they didn't see me. And I'm like, they 100% did. They are career criminals and you are not subtle. They definitely did see you. Uh, Detective Mullins concurs with me. He says, I know it feels like we're all in this together, but these people are dangerous. Leave the police work to us. He'll be singing a different tune tomorrow. But for now. <laughs> Very true. He tells yeah, them, this opinion lasts for about 12 hours. <laughs> he says, leave the police work to us. Um, so Rose and Blanche are excited for the, you know, the fact that Dorothy likes this guy. And mm-hmm. I am totally here for this rom-com. I want to see all these scenes play out. Um, And Joe Campanella is the name of the actor that is... Uh, that's her, a good that, that is a stoic ass name right there yeah and he his imdb is 90 miles long he was sure. in movies tv shows everything up until right up until right before the time of his death um so we get some more beautiful exterior shots of the house uh-huh. where uh andy and i went yesterday we've, we've been there we've stood on that sidewalk uh-huh. and there's a knock at the door the next morning and rose answers they should never let rose answer the door rose should never answer the door just no people general there's no people and god only knows how how badly she's gonna hurt herself one day with this door (laughs) she had to memorize a horse once do you remember this it's true she had to so, memorize a horse. <laughs> she barely could. Barely. So it's Martha McDowell, the new neighbor. And Rose bum, can't bum, speak. Bum. She just keeps making little squeak noises now that she knows this woman is a jewel thief. Yeah. And uh, McDowell immediately is like, hey, uh, yeah, I live next door and you followed me around the supermarket yesterday. <laughs> which which hey, Rose if you're gonna also creep can't on respond me. to. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, luckily, uh, Blanche comes in and sort of saves the situation. Uh, Martha McDowell is there to invite them to dinner. Um, and who should walk in but the cops? Well, yeah, because they're all Rose and, uh, I'm sorry, Rose is standing there Mm -hmm. squeaking. Blanche and Dorothy come in, but they're both acting really odd as well. And this woman picks up on it, Martha. She's like, why is everyone just staring at me? Right. And Blanche says, oh, your bag doesn't match your shoes. And they all kind of laugh nervously, and she doesn't really buy that. And then the cops walk in. And uh, luckily, so does Sophia, who is apparently mm-hmm. cool as a cucumber under pressure. And she also in- Sicilian, no relation. <laughs> no relation. She introduces the cops as her son, Alfonso, and her grandson, Bobby, here visiting on a fishing trip. And she doesn't really miss a beat, and the cops play along instantly. So That's Martha good. again invites them to dinner and then leaves, which is a weird thing. It's actually, for me, I'm a little weirded out that she doesn't also invite the yeah. men because that yeah. seems like it would be the polite thing plot, to do. Plot contrivance right there because or it just, would make sense. Why don't you bring your lovely family along? Right. Or, oh, we only have space for four. Why don't you come next week after they're out of town? Something. like it. It, it is sorry. a little bit strange. We only have four seats. The other seats are full of jewels. Uh, I, <laughs> I mean... mean uh, pugs. Jewels. We have a lot of uh, pugs. <laughs> and jewels. Uh. 
<laughs> so yes, they all agree to go to dinner, and boy oh boy, little 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 Bobby Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> little Detective Bobby, he's so excited because he's been talking to Mullins recently about getting the ladies involved in the police work. Yes. He wants to plant a bug in this house and he sees these enfeebled ladies who are not holding anything together <laughs> right. as his way in. These women, these women who just couldn't figure out how to even make polite conversation in their own yeah. home with this mm-hmm. woman could go do espionage next door at this dinner Absolutely. party and plant a bug. And he says the phone tap is revealing nothing because the McDowells are too smart mm-hmm. and we have to find a way to get the information about when the, you know, the deal is going down and this dinner would be the perfect cover. Rose immediately volunteers as tribute and the others are like, <laughs> <Just> no, <tribute. laughs> there's no way. And like, no, no, the odds will never be in your favor, Rose. <laughs> no. Um, and then Blanche disqualifies herself by saying, I'll be too conspicuous. It's a dinner party and I plan to show cleavage. This grin that she puts on after that, by the way, is is delightful. Yep. She's like, can't help it. I got and, my Dor- and Dorothy's like, I'll do it. I'm the best under pressure. And I want to be like, no, Sophia is demonstrably the best under pressure. Truly. We just saw that. That. But it's definitely Dorothy's journey that we're on. So Dorothy yeah. has to be the one who has to grapple with planting a bug or doing the, the dangerous thing. Yep. And if you weren't sure, the next scene is Dorothy is having trouble sleeping. Uh, she and Ma are, are bunking together, I assume, because the cops are in somebody's room. Right. Um, and it's four o'clock in the morning. Dorothy's been tossing and turning and she's woken Ma up and they start talking about um, how, how nervous Dorothy is for her super secret mission. Yeah, uh, she's like, oh, this could be dangerous, but I think it's the right thing to do. And oh, I'm conflicted as a citizen. And, da, da, and Sophia's like, well, if you think it'll help you get laid, then you should do it, basically. <laughs> Truly, that's <laughs> basically it. And Dorothy's kind of like, oh, you think I'd risk my life for Al da, 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 for a half a second? And then she's like, I yeah, I yeah. would right, give my right arm to land Al. I don't know what yeah. to do. Um, she wants to climb that like a tree. <laughs> Ma Maybe tries something. to <laughs> tries Go to ahead. come up with a story. She always says this, you know, like, imagine it, Sicily, nineteen forty five. But she doesn't have a story for this situation. She's too tired. Well, she she's, just can't think of one. She's half asleep. Yeah, she's like, I can't believe it. I got nothing. I'm dry. <laughs> um, but then she gives some good advice and. Right. She follows that up by saying, get some rest, pussycat. Tomorrow could be your last day. Yes, which is hilarious. That's how we end the act. And Chelsea, um, Hulu is is one of the few streaming services that I have, number one, but also one that I only have. I have the commercial yes, version. Right. Um, and man, I have not seen commercials for a while recently. And there was this Applebee's commercial that made me uh, very uncomfortable. Uh-oh. No, it's not anything that it did. Number one, it's using the Welcome Back Cotter theme, which, don't do that. Um, and it's like, hey, come back and eat our disgusting food and risk your risk life. Risk your life. And they're like, we're being safe. And I'm like, you haven't before, though. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you start now? I've never felt safe at any Applebee's <laughs> for any reason. Like Crap. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you can search police report by location, Applebee's. <laughs> Uh, it's 50% of them no uh, it just it was weird I didn't have anywhere to go with this I just wrote in my notes Applebee's commercial is the new normal yeah it feels weird I get a lot of commercials for like Postmates and Grubhub and stuff I haven't been getting any for dine-in restaurants that does feel a little discombobulating can I tell you that I've Especially developed... Especially because where is there an Applebee's in Los Angeles? Anyway. No, there's not. We know better than that. There's <laughs> enough crime here. <laughs> uh, I have developed 
real human emotions, uh, real human sympathy for the movie Tenet <laughs> and how it's never going to be shown in a theater ever. But every every few weeks, like there's a new billboard that's like, it's totally coming out in July now. Every it's two totally... or three days, there's a deadline article that's like, Tenet pushed to right, July, everybody. Tenet pushed now it's to in September. August. All right, y'all. Now it's November. And like there'll be like one piece of marketing and then it all falls apart. And now, <laughs> the most recently, I think this morning, in fact, it said it's been postponed indefinitely. And I'm like, well, poor Tenet. You were doing your best to be a movie that people saw. Really trying. Didn't just, I mean, everything else just went straight to streaming. Everyone else just decided yeah. just to embrace the reality of the world That's, as it is. And Tenet held out yeah. hope. Well, it's Christopher Nolan in a big budgety, actiony spectacle thing. Yeah, yeah. Look, you can fucking put Tom Hanks in a boat on your VOD, but you cannot have people flying around rooms and windows and things like that. My brother's on that boat. Uh, my brother did. <laughs> my brother did background work on Greyhound. Oh, really? Um, yeah, Noel, who was a guest of ours on our Cousins yeah. episode, um, is uh, ex-military. He lives in New Orleans. They shot it in Baton Rouge, and um, they. Did a, a big casting call for ex-military, active military guys to come be the, the guys standing, you know, the background actors yeah, yeah, yeah. standing around in the uniforms. And so my brother did a three or four days or That's maybe, cool. maybe a week on background on that show. Right. Yeah. And he, um, he, the, the interesting coincidence is that it's all shot on the USS Kid, which is a museum ship in Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. And that was also where he had his commissioning ceremony when he joined the Marines. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. I haven't so. seen it yet. Is it about there not being any rules and therefore a greyhound becomes captain of a ship? Yes, that's exactly okay. what it is. There's nothing in the rule book that says a greyhound can't be captain. <laughs> let let Airbud be the captain <laughs> yes. of this World War yes. II ship. World War II Airbud. Right now. That's basically the premise. You got it. Um Luftwood. No, that doesn't nope. <laughs> No, let's leave this alone. and go well at all. So it's the next evening. It's it's right before they're going to do this um, this undercover operation. And Rose, Blanche, and Dorothy are sitting on the couch. They're all dressed to go to the dinner party. They're all very nervous, even though they know that the cops will be watching through the kitchen window the whole time. And uh, Detective Mullins comes in with no tie on because he's really taking it easy tonight, is sure Al is. Mullins. And he gives Dorothy the transmitter and he like kneels down in front of her and puts it and it's a small black box like in the palm of her hand. And yeah. I took a screen cap because it straight up looks like he's proposing to her. Oh, that must have been a, a whole staging thing. I'm sure thing. it was in intentional. Yeah. This is unlike me, Chelsea, but I was really distracted by Dorothy's outfit. Okay, it's not unlike me because I always notice Dorothy's outfit when she looks like a Star Trek villain. <laughs> yes. Wearing a, a silvery jumpsuit. But this outfit is not so. So she's got a white blouse buttoned almost all the way up with the sleeves rolled up inside of a bulky blue cardigan Correct. that hits right around the lower knees. Yep. Uh, yep. And then a summery floral print skirt and chunky white boots. Yep. A it's a lot. On. It's a lot. A lot. Going on. Yep. But you've got a lot. You, you know what? B. Arthur is a is a majestic canvas <laughs> and you've got to fill every nook and cranny. So true. With, with art. What, are you just going to put a t-shirt and shorts on that woman? Come on. Come she on. would make it work. She would make it work. Got to, got to make a sartorial decision that's worthy more, of your muse. <clears throat> Chelsea, B. Arthur, more like A plus Arthur. Hey. Thanks. Um, so 
Dorothy is reassured by Al. She's got the transmitter. All she has to do is attach it to the underside of something without drawing attention to herself. Sophia comes in, all dressed to go out, and they try to dissuade her, but she won't be deterred. She's like, I've lived through two world wars and 77 presidents, and she's like listing all of these things. And so, um, you know, you can't convince Ma not to do anything when she set her mind to it. And she, again, was the best under pressure last time. So They should have immediately given her the bug and been like, here, you're going over by yourself. <laughs> you're in charge. <laughs> right. We've, we've seen you in, in Shop or My Mom Will Shoot. Uh, Shop, or, <laughs> Shop or My Mom Will Shoot. We know you, you've got action chops. Yeah, <laughs> action chops. So I'm sad to say that we, we're now approaching the Inmost Cave, but we are not going to get to see the dinner party at all. No. Um, the very next scene, we're back at the Golden girl's house and they've succeeded the transmitter's working perfectly it's all behind us and so it's sort of like oh leading up to this i'm thinking that the the climax the conflict the showdown with the shadow is going to Mm -hmm. be this dinner party and blanche having or i'm not blanche uh b arthur having to place this transmitter but no no we've just we're just gonna skip all of that yeah and now we're in the end runs on and says that everything went fine (laughs) right it's all fine several people died let me describe how they gouged their eyes out to you in detail um so now theater jokes theater jokes theater jokes (laughs) we're approaching the inmost cave but it's like after the dinner party immediately after we're back in the kitchen and everybody's jazzed about this and bobby bobby clooney says you know I can hear perfectly. And uh, Blanche says, my pulse was racing. I couldn't catch my breath. I think that's the most fun I've ever had standing up. But then she immediately corrects herself and is like, no, never mind. She's um, done it on an airplane. Just, just blanching around. Yeah, 747. Just blanching around. <laughs> so, that's the nicest um, way to say somebody's whoring around that I've ever heard. <laughs> just blanching around. Just really. She's in control Blanching of it. out. She's really letting her blanches fly. She is. Blanching it up. Yep. Yep. Giving everybody a good old fashioned <laughs> blanch job. <laughs> oh. So Detective Mullins reveals uh, they should get enough information from this bug in the next few hours to be able to get their warrants and get out of the women's lives by midday tomorrow. And so it's yep. like, oh, okay. So this is what's happening. So midday tomorrow, yep. we have a time clock on this relationship between Dorothy and Mullins. One of them needs to make a move by midday tomorrow. Um, and at this point, Sophia pointedly announces that everybody's going to bed except Dorothy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Detective Mullins takes over uh, the, the listening to the wire for George Clooney and tells him to go to bed. And so it's just, it's just uh, our two majestic oaks in the kitchen now, late at it night is. after they've pulled off a successful mission. It's all very sexy. Yeah. Um, but... He, uh, Mullins is kind of fumbling trying to ask Dorothy out. He can't quite form the, the ask. So mm-hmm. Sophia interjects from the other side of the door. He's trying to ask you out. And I was like, oh, are we, again, are we going to not see the act? Because there's like laughter and then we cut away. don't. Yeah, you're right though. We, we don't. She comes in she's like, I'm using my listening device. And she's got a cup held to a wall. Which, yeah. Chelsea, have you ever tried to do that? The glass held to the wall thing works marginally well Does it? if the if the if the wall or door or whatever is pretty thin. Okay, well, I think that that okay, fine. I, I can't it's I can't argue with it. It's it's fine. it's more like you can hear if someone's talking in a room more <laughs> than right. you can hear it, the words they're saying. It can detect, you know, the fact that a conversation is happening somewhere. Right. Exactly. Fair enough. Um. So, but uh, he doesn't ask her out in this moment. It seems like we're leading to that, but then he doesn't ask her out and we cut away. So we, then 
end up in a scene that goes very differently than, this is, <laughs> than this, I think this it's is, going to go. This is fucking M. Night Shyamalan twists from <laughs> Truly. Expectant, expectations and payoffs are very so, different. Everybody's playing against type in this scene. Clo- Clooney yeah. is stretched out on the bed reading something uh, and Blanche comes in and she's like, here are the extra towels you asked for. And I was like, I know where this is going. Mm -hmm. And then Clooney thanks Blanche for everything. And she's like, Oh, I'm happy to do it. You remind me of my son, Matthew. And I was like, Oh, I think I said, uh Oh, maybe I'm wrong out loud. (laughs) No, I I was still, still (laughs) on the impression that this was going to, this was a way she was going to turn into. No, that's what, when she invoked the name of her own son, I was like, okay, this is not going to go down the way I think it is. But she basically says to him that, like, I would be so worried if my son were a cop. Does your mother worry about you? And he's like, yeah, but she's not thrilled about it. But I'm a grown man and I can do what I want. And Blanche is like, well, she just loves you. And they go back and forth for a bit. And Clooney says, my mom lives in Oregon. I don't get many home-cooked meals. Would it be okay if I stopped by once in a while? And Blanche says, I think that would be great. Now, I don't care how old you think you are. It's time for lights out. And so it's this little moment. And I was like, why are we doing this because we're not going to see Clooney again. It is a again. weird little moment, yeah. And it, I mean, we'll realize by the end of the episode why we're doing it, but in this moment I was like, this guy has been, has had six lines leading up to this moment. Like, this has yeah. all been the Mullins and Dorothy show. Truly. And suddenly we have this little scenelet of Rose it and is. Clooney. And, um, no, it's everything that's been leading up to this scene is, boy, Blanche sure is horny and she'll do it with anybody. And then it's like, you throw Blanche into a bedroom with a dude, and it's like, you remind me of my son. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. Sure. Now yeah. I'm frustrated. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> she feels very so, ma- maternally about him. Apparently, he's like a it, son figure now. It's weird. So next scene is up in the kitchen, and Al hears a crime happening. The yep. exchange is going down. And they, this is our actual supreme ordeal. Yeah. This, this little moment. So they rush out. The ladies all rush into the living room, and Mullins tells them to like, get on the floor, which they then do. And clearly, the the blocking for this scene has not accounted for them ever <laughs> standing up ever again, because that's where they're going to be for the rest of it. Yes, they've all sort of locked arms and slunk down together. And it in the thing that is that cracks me up in this scene is that Sophia has brought a purse. From the, see this. from the bedroom to the living room in her <laughs> nightgown. So She's like carrying her little purse. old lady purse. That's so weird. I didn't it's even notice so that. It's so funny. It's so funny. Um, and then they're all, so they're all talking about how they're scared and. Uh, Sophia farts. Sophia farts. That's a whole thing. She says, thank you for drawing everyone's attention to that. Um, Dorothy keeps saying, I'm scared for Al. You know, like she yeah. really likes him and, and I'm scared for Al and Bobby. And then they hear gunshots and Dorothy tries to run for the door. And she says, that could have been Al, but the other ladies don't let her get up. And then after a moment, Al runs back in and calls for an ambulance and he says, Clooney's been shot. Clooney's been shot. Again, Golden Girls, the wire edition. It Um, is really. So Gotta keep the devil way down in Miami. So yeah, it's uh, it, we have a moment of real, a uh, real mortal danger here on the Golden Girls. It doesn't happen Greek style; it happens off stage, but <laughs> yep. but they're all very worried, and it turns out that the you know this fear that they had of their neighbors was well founded. I mean, they they got firearms; they're firing on the cops, so yeah. it wasn't like they were misunderstood or not the right people. This is clearly <laughs> that's clearly right. All I thin. think I think they were elderly jewel thieves <laughs> right. after all. 
after all. I don't think that's something you accidentally pin on somebody like, hey, are no. you... Uh, the uh, cops seemed pretty confident when they showed up that yeah. first night. Yeah, so now we've got to return to the ordinary world where the Golden Girls don't get in shootouts um, <laughs> on their street. And so we cut to Biscayne General Hospital for a preview of Clooney on ER yeah. and a post view of Clooney on E slash R. Um <laughs> He's and, got a and, shoulder wound. Yeah, he got hit in the shoulder and he passed out. And they're they're laughing and doting on him, or all of the ladies. But he's yeah. going to be fine. He's going to be okay. And they're yeah. discharging him later or something like that. Uh, so Al this is why in. we had to have that previous scene of him with the towels and the whole thing with with Blanche because we needed to establish that they feel very motherly toward him yeah. and this and that. So when he gets shot, it isn't like that random kid that had six lines got shot. Exactly. We feel ambivalent. And we're about to make a leap between like the feelings about this kid being shot to uh, something else. So yeah, you're right. It, it makes a lot of sense that we're doing this. So Al comes in and says the McDowell's are going away for a long time. Um, and everybody uh, picks up on signals and they take Bobby the fuck out of there so those yeah. horny old oak trees can chat. <laughs> they put him in a wheelchair. They're like, time to get some sun. And once again, Dorothy and Detective Mullins are alone. And they, and finally, it seems like he's going to make a move and they get very close. And he asks her out and he says, I really want to see you again. And she says, I really want to see you too, but I can't because I really like you and I think things could get serious. He kind of doesn't get it. And she says, up until the other night, I thought this whole thing was a game. Now mm. I realize it isn't. And he says, you don't want to get involved with someone who might get hurt every time he goes out to work. And she says, I'm sorry. And he's like, it's not the first time I've heard it. I understand. And I want to be like, you know, anyone could get hurt when they go out Also, y'all, y'all old. You could, <laughs> yeah. you, could, you could get hurt walking to pick up the mail. Right. He's also maybe got like five years left in well, like frontline position. Though, and then, then it's going to be. Yeah. And when he's, he's getting too old for the shit, that's what as happens. As, as soon as he is three days <laughs> away from retirement. Day on the job. <laughs> it is yes. going to be a fucking bullet fiesta around old Mullins. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're right. Yeah. As soon as he puts in the paperwork to start retirement, that's when that's well, when it comes it. out. Omar's <laughs> coming for you, Mullins. Uh, Al understands, and this the is golden wire. Is that what we're calling this? Golden the go- wire. The golden wire. Something. The, I mean, obviously, uh, the uh, wire was drew, drew direct uh, inspiration from this episode of Golden Girls. You can oh, trace this is that, the that wire is definitely yeah. The wire is in the Golden Girls averse, uh, <laughs> for, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. So Al's uh, understanding. He, I note, has classic wavy hair, and then he leaves. Yeah. Uh, she Sophia says. Comes she says. In. No, no, she doesn't. He doesn't leave. He's still in the room when this next part happens. Oh, really? He, yeah. He kisses Yikes. Blanche. I'm mean, sorry. He kisses. Uh, B. Arthur is the only name I can come up with. Dorothy. He kisses Dorothy on yeah. the cheek. And and she says, you take good care of yourself. And then Sophia barges in and she says, are you two an item or what? And they're like, no. And she says, okay, great. I brought a doctor for you to meet. And then she says, beat it, Al. Boy, boy. And Sophia is back to meddling and, and trying to set trying to yeah. set Dorothy up. And that's how we know that order is restored. And we're back to the ordinary yeah. world where there won't be shootouts, but there will be a lot of like meddling. And, yeah. that's and no hard. disrespect. But this dude is is a cartoon turtle in a lap coat. I he don't understand. Step down a real mm. step down from Al. Yeah, um, a couple rungs down the ladder and height alone, and that yeah. that wear is less uh, hair is less wavy than it is. 
just I'm actually sad. really sad. I would have loved to see this character do like a three episode arc on this show, but I would guess nice. the relationship does have to fizzle for the ordinary world to be reestablished. Because... I'm going to, I'm going to try the hair thing again real quick. If I could. Yeah. This doctor's hair is less wavy and more like low tide. If you know what I'm saying? It's wavy. Sure. Yeah, no, I, were you doing wavy sound effects or low tide sound effects? Because <laughs> it sounded like you're saying shush. Yeah. But I know that you're imitating the ocean in support you're of right. my joke. You're correct. Um, yeah, I'm going to miss uh, old Joe Campanella. I'm going to miss uh, Al because I, I would have really liked to see him do a three episode arc. But He's real it, good. It, this, yeah. this relationship has to fizzle out for the ordinary world of Golden Girls to be established, reestablished, yeah. which is a shame. But they can't have these kinds of high stakes uh, heists and shootouts going on every episode. Mm-hmm. Got to get back to no. eating cheesecake and meddling in each other's lives. And again, memorizing a horse. Yep. Um, or, you know, I, when I was, uh, was going through all of these episodes, because I'd forgotten what season this was in, so I was just flipping through them on Hulu. I'd had it in my mind that there was a later season, so I'm just flipping through them. God damn, and I understand, but goddamn, if every fifth episode isn't somebody's having sex with a guy, and that guy dies. <laughs> it's a real concern for a septuagenarian. They really talk it through, apparently, on numerous episodes. There's a real... Angel of Death arc on the Golden Girls. <laughs> you know who's a series regular? Death. Oh, it's like touch, oh. touched by an angel. The one character. One specific <laughs> angel. The Angel of Death. Well, he was a character on Touched by an Angel. Was he? Death was? Yeah. Oh, this was great. So Touched by an Angel, there was a guy right, who was I'll, the I'll angel. I'll be the judge of, of that. Well, this story is, is great. I read it in TV Guide, so that's how uh-huh. you know how good it is. But Fair. that show was a massive, massive hit. We mm. watched it for sure. We should do an episode of Touched by an Angel. Anyway, um, sure. the this there was this guy who was the angel of death, and he, if I remember correctly, would become a part of a person. He would insinuate himself into a person's life for mm. a few days before they died. So when they died and this person shows up, he's not a stranger. He's not some weird person you've never seen before. He's a person with whom you have a bit of a familiarity, right? Sure. There's a comfort. So he shows up and and then he takes huh. you, you know, to the other side. So apparently when this actor, after this show became a mega hit, this oh, actor no. would like get on planes and everybody would get off or he'd like, <laughs> <laughs> like walk into a restaurant and everybody would walk out. And oh, he fantastic. he was just like, you know, I'm an actor, right? I'm not actually the angel of death. But the premise of the, his character was such that, like, you wouldn't see him coming. He would just become part of the fabric of your oh, life. And then several mercy. days later, you would die. That's good. Well, congratulations to commitment to your craft and being alone forever. <laughs> angel of death. <laughs> angel of death. That always sucks when people can't really differentiate the, the reality of a situation. I realized halfway through this sentence that we went and saw the Golden Girls house yesterday. And... <laughs> The leg I had to stand on buckled under my own weight. This is very exciting, though, because the house has never been up for sale. It was built in 1955. It's never been Mm -hmm. sold before. No one has ever seen the pictures of the inside. And so the thing is, like, I only... No one ever goes in. No one ever comes (laughs) out. It's a real Golden Wonka situation. Golden Wonka. (laughs) The Wire edition. (laughs) But I... I um, now love it for a whole different reason, which is that it's really just, I didn't know that mid-century modern Hawaiian Japanese architecture was my dream combo of styles, but now I do after having looked at the photos of this house and its gorgeous lanai. So now I love it for a whole other reason. 
It's like every time Pop-Tarts comes out with something new, I didn't realize that I wanted that Pop-Tarts. Thank you for showing me that Fruit I did. Loops. I saw that yesterday. Fruit Fucking Loops Pop-Tarts. Yep. It's just, what are you doing? Yeah, uh, uh, Chelsea and I uh, had a conversation about Pop-Tarts yesterday and how they're just sort of like, they're rearranging Pop-Tart flavors on the Titanic at this point. <laughs> They're just they're just shuffling out as many like iced uh, bready yeah they're going they're going with their tastes. C and D string ideas at this point truly they're just like get it out there just you fucking just do put it. it in a box and get it out to the masses <laughs> the box take a picture of what it's supposed to be and fucking get it into people's goddamn faces hope for the best it's me pop tart Jones. <laughs> The heir to the Pop-Tart's fortune and owner and CEO of Pop-Tart. me, Pop-Tart. <laughs> my son, Junior uh, technically, Tart. My daughter, Sally Tart. <laughs> technically, you can't take over the Pop-Tart's fortune until you have a child. <laughs> I used to be <laughs> Zedadiad Tart. <laughs> Now I'm. No, it's like that Eddie Izzard. We're just we're just doing a bad version of the Eddie Izzard Granny Smith Apple bit where he talks about you know, regular Mrs. Smith apples are not good enough. Go have have kids. Have kids. Come back when you're Granny Smith. <laughs> yeah, truly. So the the point of this whole thing, and if if we haven't taught you anything on hugging and learning, <laughs> pop tarts. They don't give a End fuck. of sentence. <laughs> Uh, like like Wu Tang Clan, Pop Tarts ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> Chelsea, what did we, what did we learn from this episode? Do you think? I mean, I learned that I will watch B. Arthur and Joe Campanella. Yeah. In a rom com, any day of the week. I loved I, the chemistry between these actors. Yeah. Was so good. Their scene work was so. It was just masterful, and I was I was delighted. I, I agree with that, and I'm going to take it a, a step further and say that I was really blown away by because the only other time I've seen Golden Girls is when it was on when I was a kid and couldn't possibly appreciate anything about this except <laughs> the fart joke. The single fart joke probably would have gotten me as like a ten year old or whatever. Um, but B. Arthur's fucking a genius. Um, and I'm wondering if we shouldn't, uh, there's one very unfortunate episode of Maud that I don't think we should do, but I wonder if we can't find an episode of Maud to do and see like B. Arthur in her prime. I've never really watched Maud. I haven't either. And apart from this and B. Arthur's appearance in the Star Wars holiday special. Oh my God. Yep, where she is the bartender at the Mos Eisley Cantina who has to yes, sing a song is. to send all of the werewolves and demons and yes. orc aliens out into the night. Yes. Um, good night, but not goodbye, I think is the name of it. Hey, brain, thanks for holding on to stupid <laughs> bullshit. Can't remember when Miles' birthday is exactly, but no, I can, I can fucking sing that cantina song from the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> So long, friends. No. Um, yeah. Well, who did we want to hug in all of this? I mean, I guess I want to hug young George Clooney because he got shot. But I also well, kind of want time to hug him, Chelsea. It's true, you're right? He. Uh, I guess I want to. Uh, I guess I want to hug Dorothy and Same. be like, take a chance on love. This guy's yeah. awesome. Don't talk about it. Be Arthur about it. Be about it. Sure. No, I get it. 
Do I'm you? just trying to figure there out must be a, lag. a better way I, to say I that. Think you've, I think your Zoom has frozen because I cannot hear your laughter and you look <laughs> like you're just sitting still. But also, Dan is really roaming around in the background, so I can't keep this pretending up for much longer. No. It's all done. It's all done. Thank you for trying. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. Definitely want to hug Dorothy and say, hey, hang in there. You'll find a different cop who's, you know, on Vice or something like that instead. You'll find that guy, Larry Hagman. <laughs> That's who she marries at the end, right? And then is Empty it? Nest is a spinoff. Not Larry Hagman. What's his no. name? No. <laughs> it's not Larry Hagman. No, oh, I no, can't no. remember What's that What's his dude's name? name? The guy from Empty Nest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and most memorable to me, the villain in The Babes in Toyland that has... Uh, um, Drew Barrymore and uh, Keanu Reeves in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard Mulligan. Richard Mulligan. <gasps> Mullins? Mulligan? <gasps> there is it, it is. Al Mullins in a, a, a <laughs> cop's uh, witness protection thing? Yes, exactly. He's gotten really bad plastic surgery to make him look wrinklier <laughs> and less wavy hair. Well, that's going to go into my fanfic site. Uh, my <laughs> oh, my golden. God. We're going to start. We, I guarantee you, if we start writing Detective Mullins, Dorothy Zvornak fanfiction, we will be the only ones on the internet. We will have found a fanfic that does not exist. I do promise you, want, you. I don't boy, think it's out there. Don't, you don't want to do that, though. You don't want to do that because, you know, you can only be wrong. And you don't want to do that because then we have to look it up. <laughs> I'm just going to make large pronouncements and not research them, as is my want. Totally fine. It's the opposite of my want. But I will also say your want will also be getting upset with me when I find Mullins, (laughs) Zbornak, uh, uh, slash fic, (laughs) and then dare to read it on the show. You'll be like, why did you do this? And I'll be like, you knew I was a scorpion when you got on my back. It's true. I should not would have really set you up for that and set myself up to have to listen to it. It's true. So tune in next time for that. <laughs> no, I retract it. I retract my early statement. <laughs> Folks, thank you again for joining us uh, as we went back to just the comforting arms of the Golden Girls girls. Yeah. Um, it's always nice. Always nice and, uh, to visit. And their co- the comforting palm trees of their yard, which we stood in. We hope that you are all staying safe out there and uh, taking care of yourselves and each other. And we will see you next time. Bring snacks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks.